Hello, and welcome back to the fourth episode of the Tough Take Podcast. I'm Zach Green. And I'm Luca DeLosta. In today's episode, we will be previewing the Rams-Titans game, looking back at the Atlanta Braves versus Houston Astros Game 6 of the World Series, talking about city jerseys of the 75th anniversary in the NBA, talking about how fantasy football works, and talking about some big news that happened at the NFL trade deadline. Let's get right into it. Alright, let's get into the Titans vs. Rams game, the Sunday night. Rams are coming off a great win, 36-22 versus the Houston Texans, but all the Texans points were scored in the fourth quarter in some garbage time. Now, going into this game, do you think Matthew Stafford will be able to continue his success that he's had in these past weeks? I do think he will be able to, especially with elite receiver Cooper Cup leading the NFL in receiving yards and touchdowns. I also think that Robert Woods will be a big factor in this game, as Cooper Cup will draw a lot of the attention. But Robert Woods having a great start to his season, 458 yards on 38 catches and 5 touchdowns. He is an elite receiver, and people sometimes think to overlook that. Now, not only will Robert Woods, I think, get a lot, but how about Van Jefferson? Yeah, he, I think, will emerge this game, as they did release wide receiver Deshaun Jackson as not being able to find a trade partner for him at the NFL trade deadline. Van Jefferson went off last week for three receptions for 88 yards. I think he can really help them in this game. And if they get the run game going with Darrell Henderson, who has 507 rush yards and five touchdowns, they can really make the defense spread out and give them a lot of options on who to go to. Yeah, Darrell Henderson, as you said, being a threat on the ground as well as through the air. But a big help to that, I think, is this O-line. Yeah, that is a big part of this offense, led by veteran Andrew Withworth, but they will have a tough task going up against Harold Landry, but we'll get into that in a little bit. But I really want to go back to Cooper Cup. He's coming into this game with 924 yards, 63 catches, and 10 touchdowns, and what really surprised me about that, he's 105 yards ahead of the second leading receiver, Debo Samuel, and at this point, I don't think anyone is catching up to Cup. Yeah, not even Debo Samuel, who honestly has been playing very well this season as well, but that's not what we're on right now. Now let's get into the defensive side of the ball for the Rams. How about that defensive line? Yeah, they just got even better. Already having three-time defensive player of the year, Aaron Donald, who has five sacks and 32 tackles, but they just added Vaughn Miller from the Rams in a trade with the Broncos. In his seven games already with the Broncos, he has four and a half sacks and 19 combined tackles. And I think this will really help get the pressure off Aaron Donald, as Aaron Donald is usually doubled or triple teamed, and somehow he always finds a way to break that. But that'll draw a lot of attention off of him. But I think you're missing one player. How about Leonard Floyd? He's having a great start to the season. Six and a half sacks, which is more than Aaron Donald, and five tackles for loss, and nine total QB hits. He is a different maker on this team. Yeah, so their defensive line obviously getting a lot stronger. But it's not just their defensive line. Their secondary is very strong and looking great this season. Led by veteran Jalen Ramsey. He is, I think, the best cornerback in the NFL. He is a great man-to-man player. Very strong, very fast, and he has an excellent eye for the ball. Yeah, he's had two picks already, a forced fumble, and nine passes deflected, as well as 43 combined tackles. Now, this defense has only allowed 21 points per game. However, talk about their run defense. 
Yeah, they're only allowing 103.38 rush yards a game with 4.4 yards a carry and eight rushing touchdowns. What about this passing defense, though? So this passing defense has been better than their run defense this year. They've allowed 9.7 yards a completion, not that good, however, allowing other QBs to only have a 67.5 completion percentage. They've also allowed 9 touchdowns through the air, but they've also picked off 11 passes. And they are ranked 5th in the NFL with a plus 6 turnover differential, which is great. Yeah, but that'll be interesting to see how they match up against this Titans offense. So with that, let's move over to the Titans side of the ball with the offense. The biggest news for the Titans this week, Luca, I'll let you say it. Derrick Henry out for 6-10 to weeks with a foot injury. So that is a huge blow for the Titans. Losing maybe their, no, yes, their best player on that team, especially offensively. Yeah, he, I think, is the best running back in the NFL. Most yards, most touchdowns. He's one of the best players in this league. He is a monster. He is an athlete to watch. But Ryan Tannehill has been straight up average. He has 2,002 yards on 172 of 262 passing with 10 touchdowns and just 7 interceptions with a 90.2 QB rating. But I think a factor of that could be their O-line giving up 24 sacks through 8 weeks. That is about 3 sacks a game. Yeah, and I think a lot of that comes from Taylor Lewin. In the first game, he allowed, I think, 5.5 sacks from Chandler Jones. He had to post an apology on Twitter. But how do the Titans get the run game going, especially with the loss of Derrick Henry? They did add Adrian Peterson, but I think this team really centers around Derrick Henry, and I think you're, you're going to see that in this game because they're probably going to be a one-dimensional team with their offense being mainly built around Derrick Henry. Since Derrick Henry's out, they need to get the passing game going a lot more this game, and I would like to see Julio Jones try to get more involved in this offense. Yeah, he only has 17 catches for 301 yards and no touchdowns. But his second man, A.J. Brown, has 35 catches, 509 yards, and three touchdowns. And he also has a streak of 100-plus yards in the past two games with the touchdown. I think he could continue that this game. Possible, but, I mean, A.J. Brown has those stats, and he was out, what, two, three games this season already? I mean, Julio Jones also battling injury. But as I was telling you a little earlier was... He, even if at the age and he's not producing, he's still got to be respected for what he's done in the past and his ability. So we could see, but he definitely needs to step up this game. Yeah, let's move on to this defensive side of the ball with frontrunner Harold Landry. Second in the NFL for sacks, he has eight and a half sacks, a forced fumble, and 42 combined tackles. And how about that Titans secondary? Yeah, led by safety Kevin Byard, who already has four interceptions. But it will be a very, very big test facing Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup this week. Yeah, their defense is only allowing 24.38 points per game. They're also allowing 107.75 rush yards per game with eight rushing touchdowns. But the passing, they have pretty good passing defensive stats. 6.8 yards per attempt with 10.7 yards per completion and uh, holding a opposing QBs to a 63% completion percentage. But this Titans defense has seen a lot of talent so far. They have faced notable QBs like Josh Allen, a healthy Russell Wilson, and only allowing Patrick Mahomes to three points. This will be a great test for his MVP frontrunner, Matthew Stafford. Yeah, but all we can do is wait and see Sunday night. That'll be a great matchup. 
let's talk about this Atlanta Braves versus Houston Astros World Series sixth game. Yeah, the Atlanta Braves coming out on top in dominant fashion, winning seven nothing in Game Six to win the World Series. There was actually 14.3 million people watching that game, according to CNBC. And last time the Braves won the World Series, which was in 1995, Tom Brady was drafted to the Montreal Expos in the 18th round of the 95 MLB draft. Michael Jordan returned to basketball wearing number 45. The Raiders returned to Oakland, and the Rams moved to St. Louis. So it has been a while. Yeah, they have come a long way after star left fielder Ronald Acuna Jr. has torn his ACL. Yeah, he tore it on July 10th, and he was dominant. He had a batting average of 283, 24 home runs, 52 RBIs, all in 82 games. But how do you think the Braves were able to turn their season around after being five games back in their division on August 1st? They have added players like Eddie Rosario, Jock Peterson, Jorge Soler, and Adam Duvall at the trade deadline. Yeah, obviously adding those players helped turn their season around. But going back to the World Series Game 6, how did Max Fried have an impact? Yeah, Max Fried, very dominant pitcher for the Atlanta Braves, pitched six innings, struck out six batters, gave up four hits, but not a single run. And he pitched 74 pitches, 50 of which were strikes. That is a crazy number. But it wasn't just pitching for the Braves. Three players hit home runs in that game six. Soler hit a three-run moonshot in the top of the third. Swanson hit a two-run shot in the fifth. And Freeman hit a solo shot in the seventh. Luca, who stepped up to the plate to fill what Jock Peterson was not filling? For the Braves, Jock Peterson obviously struggling this series, recording only one hit in game one. But players like Freddie Freeman, Riley, Jorge Soler, and Darno were able to step up and fill what Jock Peterson was not filling. What are your thoughts on Soler winning the World Series MVP? Now, Soler obviously played really well, hit three home runs in this World Series, but what really boosted him to win that MVP was his three-run moonshot that actually went out of the park in that game six. Now, here's another question. Will Freeman resign? Yeah, Freddie Freeman, one of the big free agents this offseason. However, I do think he will resign, especially coming off a championship. This team went through a lot together, and they succeeded and struggled together, overall coming out on top. But Freddie Freeman, I think, will resign. All right, let's move on to the losing side of this World Series and the Houston Astros. Yeah, the Astros finishing in second place, just as they did last time they were in the World Series, in which they fell to the Nationals in seven games. Why do you think the Astros struggled so much in Game 6 to stay alive in the World Series? I think they struggled, one, because pitching was not well that game. They started with Luis Garcia on the mound, who pitched good through two innings and then gave up the three-run shot to Soler, and then he was pulled, and then they played a bullpen game. But the bats were not being swung effectively. Alex Bregman and Carlos Correa both struggling, and Bregman struggling as much as he fell in the batting order mid-series. Yeah, however, let's talk about Jose Altupe being the Astros' best batter. He was the only player on the Astros to hit a home run in the World Series. He hit one in Game 2 and one in Game 4. Altuve struggled in Game 1 and 6, going 0 for 5 with 3 strikeouts in Game 1 and going 1 for 4 with 1 strikeout in Game 6. 
But as you said, he picked it up and proved to be the Astros' most effective batter. Why did Alex Bregman struggle so much as to fall in the batting order? Alex Bregman obviously playing bad, and I think it was because once he started playing bad, he got in his head and he tried changing up things like his batting follow-through. But once it's in your head, it's just hard to get out, and he just couldn't make contact with the ball. Let's talk about another free agent. Will Carlos Correa re-sign, or will he start the next season with a different team? Now, I said Freddie Freeman would re-sign. I think Carlos Correa we will be seeing on a different team at the start of next season. I don't think with the performance he put up in this series that the Astros will want him again. However, Jose Altuve was saying in a conference that he has been trying to convince the Astros to try to get Correa to resign. Alright, let's move on to the NBA jerseys that have just been released. Yeah, the 75th anniversary for the NBA has brought out a couple or a few great jerseys for city jerseys for teams. My first favorite, honestly, is the Washington Wizards. Might be a little biased, but I love their colorway, and it gives the vibe of their 1974-87 to Washington Bullets uniforms. How about yours? I like the Atlanta Hawks. They're on the hawk on the jersey, and I really like the deeper yellow mixed with the red. It is a nice throwback to the 1995-1999 Hawks jerseys. But my, th- my second favorite jersey is honestly that OKC City jersey. Very basic, but for some reason, that just all-white jersey really gets me. What jerseys do you not really favor? Honestly, I don't like the Suns, Jazz, or Magic jerseys. I think that the fact that you're just repeating jerseys from last year in a year like the 75th anniversary where it's so big and you see almost every team change their jersey, I just don't like the fact that they just stayed with it. How about your least favorite jersey? I don't like the Lakers. They're light purple with the light blue mix. I don't think it really matches the LA look. Nah, I don't think it does either, because usually they have that deeper purple with the, the yellow, and that, I think, goes really well. But another jersey where the colors I don't think match are the Bucks. Yeah, with the mix with the shades of green and then the purple on the sides, it doesn't really look that nice, in my opinion. If there were a consistent darker green and purple on the sides, I think it would be a little better. Yeah, if they just had a base green that threw back to their old jerseys when Kareem played on the Bucks, mix with that white and then mix in a little bit purple, I think it'd be much better than what they have now. Okay, now let's switch over to how fantasy football works. Zach, could you give us a basic rundown of how fantasy works? Well, for all leagues, there will be an even number of teams. And first step in fantasy football is draft. That is when you draft your team and you draft a specific amount of players. Different leagues will have different amount of players. Some leagues you can play two quarterbacks each week. Some leagues you can't. But Luca, who would you want to target first in the draft? You want to target a running back first in the draft because no matter if it's a standard or a PPR, they will always be producing probably your most points. However, in past years, Devontae Adams, who is a very, very top-tier wide receiver, has been chosen in the first round. So you want to choose somebody who will be the center of your team and get you the most points. Now, Zach, what round do you want to target your quarterback? I would probably go around four to five. Some new fantasy football players would probably draft them in the earlier rounds because 
they want they see the big names and they think that'll give them the most points. But in round four to five, you already have probably your best running back, maybe two, and then you have your elite wide receiver that'll also give you a lot of points. But Luca, what is important in drafting? You wanna plan when you see your, who's on the board still, you after you make a pick, you want to see who will be on the board you think when your next pick arrives. because it And you always want to have multiple options just in case other people get chosen. But you also don't want to, as you say, get jump the gun and just because somebody's a big name, draft them too early. Now, Zach, how about what are the consequences to team stacking? Well, team stacking isn't really the smartest move because when you have too many players from one team on your team, it's going to minimize your points. Yeah, you can have the same quarterback and running back, maybe wide receiver from that team. But if you have over, I think, four to five players from the same team, they're not all going to get or go off that week. They're not all going to get touchdowns, and that's what you want on your team. You want your team to score the most points, and you want your team to have the most yards. But it also, when it's the bye week, you're in a lot of trouble when they're not playing. Yeah, Luca, what do you think you should target in the later rounds of the draft? Later rounds, you target defense, you target a kicker, and you target backup wide receivers, running backs, or tight ends. Yeah, you really want to target teams, second running back, maybe third or fourth wide receiver, and you really want to get in the nitty-gritty of your team to make sure you have a good backup. But it also depends in the late rounds how many people are in your league if there's eight people in your league you're gonna probably have better players available in the late rounds but if you're doing a 12-man league or 20-man league you're obviously not going to have those options available yeah what i think is really important if you have a really good top tier running back that's sometimes injury prone maybe saquon barkley or christian mccaffrey i like to draft their backup because in these past couple weeks and christian mccaffrey being out his backup trevor hubbard is their team's number one running back or for Nick Chubb, if you have Kareem Hunt, another great back. You want to have their back up to injury-prone players. Now, when do you know when to start or sit a player? Well, if you play a team that doesn't score that much on offense and they're going up against a very good defense, you probably won't want to start that team's running back as they will be one-dimensional and have to pass all game. And how about the waiver wire or claiming people off waivers? Yeah, so that is when all the players in the league are not claimed from other teams in your fantasy football league, so you can pick them up. And that is important if your team has a bye week or someone on your team goes out for the year. It's important because there can be good players with good matchups that you can target and pick up to add to your team. Yeah, it's kind of like free agency in the offseason, but it's midseason. It's also another big part is something called streaming defenses. When you do that, You want to pick up each defense each week to see who they play. If you have a defense going up against someone like the Chiefs or a very high-powered offense that scores a lot, you probably won't want to use that defense. You could pick another defense for a team that scores less, maybe like someone going up against Houston or Miami. Let's move on to some news at the NFL trade deadline. Yeah, let's start with... Von Miller from Denver in exchange for a 2022 second and third round pick from the Rams. Yeah, as we said before, that'll be a great addition to this Los Angeles Rams team. Yeah, the team already has, is leading the league with sacks with 25 sacks and interceptions with 11 interceptions. So adding just more to that team on defense is just, they're obviously all in for the Super Bowl this year. 
Let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs acquiring outside linebacker Melvin Ingram from the Steelers in exchange for a 2022 conditional pick. Yeah, I think the Chiefs traded for Melvin Ingram because they needed somebody else on defense with that defense being so atrocious this year. Let's talk about the homecoming for Mark Ingram from the Texans in exchange for a 2024 seventh round pick. I think the Saints scored big on this trade. They're giving up a seventh round pick in three years from now for Mark Ingram, who will be a great backup to Alvin Kamara. And as you said, it's the reuniting of them. Let's talk about some big no trades. Deshaun Watson not being traded from the Houston Texans. Yeah, Deshaun Watson, the main reason I think he wasn't traded was his legal situation. A team doesn't want to gamble on him, even with him being, or last time he played, being such a good QB. If you trade for him, give up some draft picks that could help build your team in the future, and then his legal situation goes even worse, then he can't play. It's a big gamble. Let's talk about some recent big news. Odell Beckham Jr. released from the Cleveland Browns after being excused Wednesday and Thursday from practice. Yeah, this has by far been the biggest news as of lately. Even though it happened after trade deadline, he was released because it was past trade deadline. However, what teams do you think are contenders for picking up Odell Beckham Jr.? Well, I think the Saints should be number one because they just lost Michael Thomas. I think the Ravens, I think they need a big player like him who can go out and make big plays. And I think the Patriots, too, with Mac Jones and the Packers with Aaron Rodgers. As well as the Raiders, especially after losing Henry Ruggs. In that tragic accident. Let's move on to Mike White and the game versus the Bengals. Yeah, Mike White, Jets starting QB in Week 8. First, loved to play baseball. As a junior in high school, he was doing a 90-mile-an-hour fastball at NSU University School in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. He was also a Louisville All-American slugger. In Week 8, he got the nod to start for the Jets in a game versus Cincinnati Bengals due to Zach Wilson being out with a knee injury. White called this opportunity pretty freaking cool. And he would go on to complete 37 passes, which was an NFL record for completions in an NFL debut. And he would go to pass for 405 yards and three TDs, which his 400 plus yards was the second time since 1950 a QB threw for 400 plus yards on a debut. His jersey is now in the Hall of Fame. As a Bengals fan, this game was hard to watch. Alright, let's move on to my game and matchup of the week. My game of the week is the Chiefs vs. Packers 425 game. As recent news, Aaron Rodgers will not be starting because he has been diagnosed with COVID. So, Jordan Love, their 26th pick from last year's draft, will make his first career start. And my matchup of the week, big one here. Bengals defense vs. Nick Chubb and Brown's run and screen game. Bengals got killed last week by Michael Carter, rookie of the Jets last week and the run after catch after short passes, and he went right up the middle on some big runs. Now, my game of the week is as well the Chiefs versus Packers, and will the Chiefs get back to winning versus top teams and, with Aaron Rodgers not being available, crush the Packers offense? Now, my matchup of the week will be a probably Kyler Murray-less Cardinals offense who has the 4th most passing yards and 7th most rushing yards, versus the 49ers defense, 
who has allowed the second least amount of yards. It's going to be a great game. I think people underestimate this 49ers defense, and we'll just see. I think there's a lot of great games this week that we all have to watch. I agree with you. And that will be Zach Green, Luca DeLosta. Thank you for listening.